listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. Welcome to the Breakfasters podcast for the week starting Monday the 21st of March through till Thursday the 24th of March. And in this podcast you will find all the highlights from the week of Breakfasters with Jeff Sparrow, Geraldine Hickey and Sarah Smith. Enjoy. One of the shows that's coming up in the International Comedy Festival is That's Entertainment. We're welcoming to the studio Triple R's own Anne Edmonds, former <laughs> co-host of the Download, winner Piece of Wood Award at the 2015 Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Welcome to Breakfasters. Good morning, everybody. Good, Good morning. morning. Good morning, Breakfasters. Good morning, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> How are you all? Very well. What is a Piece of Wood Award? Um, it's an award given out by, it's chosen by the other comics um, uh, and they give it to a com- comedian that they... Oh. It, it was started by Greg Fleet mm. uh, and the original recipients were Missichi. Right. Uh, because they weren't nominated for any awards and Fleety went, well, that's that's bullshit. That's, they're, they're really good. So he found a block of wood and he went, <laughs> here's, here's a piece of wood award. <laughs> and gave it to him. And then ever since then, uh, each people that wins the award is now part of the voting team that gets to decide who. Yes. Oh. So do you, uh, next year. do you actually have like a lump of wood on I your mantelpiece? I do. I ha- I've had it. I didn't lose it. It was at my house the whole year. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, and I've happily given it back because I didn't enjoy the responsibility of it. To be, it has been lost before by a comedian. Not surprisingly, <laughs> um, halfway through its its life, it was lost. So, um, but and I didn't lose it. It's everyone's teeth marks are in it yeah, as well. You have to bite. That's it. disgusting. It is gross. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> So your show starts tomorrow, I think, is that? Yes, is tomorrow that, night. 22 yeah. shows? 22. Yeah, just 22. I'm just <laughs> like 22 Sounds this like year. absolutely Do you know what that means, though? Mm. So every night, you know, what? do you know what's going to be happening? What are you having for dinner every night? Um, like, probably some gammy chicken. Chicken. Gammy chicken. <laughs> that's, our fo- that's our theme song for gammy chicken. <laughs> You know Gammy Chicken? No, Best I Best fried no chicken. Idea. Is it really? Yeah, it's in the city. Oh, it's in, it's in um, a few places now. Yeah, and one's just, uh, I think one's opening up in Hawthorne, which is very close to where I live. Ah. Yeah, it's good chicken and um, you just, it's just chicken, <laughs> which I enjoy. You know, like I don't want other things. I just want straight up chicken. Well, what about half a cabbage? Oh, yeah, they can yeah. give you a half a cabbage. And, no, no herbs and spices, just <laughs> no. half a cabbage. But that cabbage is just like, it's just sort of like guilt-free, like just makes the whole process guilt-free. But you just get a chicken and you just eat it. And then you get a cabbage and you enjoy yourself. And um, it's delicious. Yeah, so a big, a big uh, I'm, I'm sponsored by them this year. It's actually a plug. <laughs> Sponsored by fried chicken. Mm. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you are looking forward to festival though. Tell us about this show. Mm. Um, what's it about? Well, I don't know. I didn't know what it was going to be about at the start, but it, there seems to be several references to um, ex-boyfriends in it. Sex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else is in there? Um, like someone falling over. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you know, reckon, I was, we were talking about this to Josh yesterday, how we're, people of our generation who all kind of started at the same time mm. reasonably are moving away from the themed yeah. type shows. Because it's, it's nonsense. Because it's all year round, a comed- when you're a comedian, all you do all year round is have thoughts occur to you and you do them on stage. That's really your job. Mm. 
And then come festival time, they're like, now weave it together in a clever story about your dad dying. And, it, um, <laughs> oh and it's like, no, nah, I was just I was just having chicken and it's funny. <laughs> and he died. <laughs> but, um, so, but there's a bit of a theme to mine. It's mainly just, it's just a bit about um, me and, and relationships, actually. Which I didn't see coming. Obviously, but it just turned out that way. How mm. many ex-boyfriends do you discuss? I, I've got heaps. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I know. I just I don't talk about. I don't go into detail with them. It's just a. I just say. Um, it's mainly. I think what it's mainly about is that I. I'm quite conservative, which I didn't realise about like sex and stuff and marriage or not marriage, but like being in relationships. Well, uh, you know, like when you like. Live in the in like in Brunswick, and you've got to be like I'm in an open relationship and stuff. I'm not. I don't want to. I just want to get like I just want to have one boyfriend forever. <laughs> you know. So I realise that's yeah, and I don't want to have like I don't want to have sex like in a car or that. <laughs> Can I just see Jeff just leaned back and took a sip of his tea like I'm off mic. <laughs> I'll leave this one to the girls. That's all right if you want to, but I just think I don't want to really. Fair enough. But does that have anything to do with your Catholic upbringing as well? Could do, yeah. Yeah. It might do, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I just – I think I'm just getting old. I don't want to – I just want to – You don't want to muck around anymore. I just want to watch DVDs or whatever. (laughs) You don't watch them anymore. Netflix. (laughs) Or just like I don't want to – I'm sick of it. Uh, have you ever had an ex-boyfriend come to your show that yeah. you've been talking about in a bad way? Oh, in a bad way. No, because I don't I'm, think you talk about people in a bad way. No, I though. only talk about myself in a bad way. Okay, much, and I deserve it too. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't really talk about them in a bad way because they're they're not the. It's normally me that's that's the bad one. So um, yeah, no, no. But, but I'm friends with most of my exes, all of them, heaps of them, <laughs> and yeah, they come. They've they've, they've seen it all. Mm. And over 22 shows, does it change much? Is it going to, like, does it develop over that time? Yeah, I think by the end it's going to be a sci-fi thriller. <laughs> <laughs> no, no it, um, it will, yeah, because you do, as you go along with comedy, you always change it. So something normally changes every night, I guess, something little. Yeah, it's usually, a, a, like, and you work at, like, if a joke doesn't work, then obviously you're going to change that yeah. to make it work. Yeah. You did the gala. Yes. Which oh, it, yes. We mm. could you could have seen on Monday night, mm-hmm. and you, I didn't see it on the TV, but I was there on the night, and you destroyed. <laughs> it was so great. Um, that was your second time being mm. on the gala. Mm. Different this time, do you think? Like we, yeah, I think um, I was on. So I was on the gala about three years ago, and I was probably too. I mean, it was a good experience, but I was quite young in my career um, to be on there. Um, and yeah, it was a big difference to do it this year, and and. Um, and be in control of it, I guess. Are you super nervous knowing that it's like TV? Yeah, I, I, I it's very nerve wracking actually. I didn't because I'm, ha- I'm quite happy in a like open mic room. Just that's where you naturally exist when you're a comedian. But then suddenly they take you into a big room with three minutes and cameras and oh, and it change. It does yeah, right. shift the whole momentum. Moment, yeah, and, and what comedy like what comedy's about and. You know, in three minutes to try and sell yourself to an audience is tricky. You've done so. it in eight minutes here, so good job. <laughs> <laughs> We've been asking everyone this, but um, with the festival coming up and, you know, comedy everywhere, is there anyone in particular you're looking forward to see? Jez. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double plugs. <laughs> um, 
Yes, and uh, Melinda Buttle's coming back this year, who wasn't there last year. Yeah, she's from terrific. Queensland. She's awesome. Um, there's lots of great people around. Becky Lucas, Damien Power, who's asleep at my house. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this. Oh, oh, and we've got. A, I've got a, a second show called The True Australian Patriots. This is worth having a look oh, at. Oh my too. god, are yeah. you a true Australian patriot? Yeah. Oh my. No, I'm not a real one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean the fake, the fake one, the fake one. I'm a fake I've one. I've seen these on Facebook. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Yeah, it's Les. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, Liz, do, do you Jerry want to maybe Steve. just explain that to people who yeah. haven't who, who are switching off the radio? <laughs> yeah, back on everyone, ripping up tickets to my show. It's a mock um, Patriots group, so it's 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 making fun of groups like um, United Patriots Front and Reclaim Australia. Um, and if you've seen any of their videos online, you'll know why they need making fun of. Yes. Um, and yeah, so we have been yeah we went we kind of started making videos at the local library, which we've now been banned from. <laughs> um, <laughs> screaming but um yeah and then we they went viral and then now we've got a live show so it's it's you did it in brisbane over the weekend how how was it did you have any proper patriots apparently we did yeah which is disturbing yeah there were a couple of guys that turned up in um Southern was a bit of Southern Cross business going on, right. and they came in late and they sat down. And, and they thought it was the real thing, did they? I don't know what they thought. I can't imagine how anyone in the powerhouse in Brisbane is like the sort of the main arts venue, and it's very you know, and the comedy festival up there. Yeah, mm. so I don't know how, but they did sit through <laughs> the whole show. They're not necessarily the brightest people. Though, well, I'm, I know, and uh, they sat there very stony faced through the whole thing apparently, and um, didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> the so, shows. That's entertainment. Mm. It starts 24th until the 17th of Correct. April. Gosh. And um, <laughs> <laughs> the Patriot Show wins. I don't have Oh, the... that's Friday and Saturday nights at 11 o'clock. Mm. And it's, it's not for the faint-hearted, that one, I'll just say. <laughs> <laughs> You're moving. Talking to Anne Edmonds. Thanks so much for coming in. You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR. I came across a story last night about there's a couple having a a baby and they sent a group text message out saying, we're at the hospital having a baby today. Um, But among that group was a wrong number. Um, So they responded with congrats, but, you know, I think someone has a wrong number and they didn't see that message and then sent them a photo of, you know, the baby when it was born and then, then, you know, seven pounds, 11 ounces. And then they were like, well, you know, I don't know you, but... (laughs) Yeah, but, yeah, congrats, and the boys will be around to take a photo with the baby. Like, me and the boys will come over. And then eventually, you know, they cottoned on and went, oh, so sorry, like, you know, so got caught up in this. And they're like, no, no, we're, we're here now. And so they did. They rocked up <laughs> to the hospital. The strangers. <laughs> yeah, the strangers. <laughs> and they went, what room are you in? And they had gifts and they took photos with the baby and everything. It was I really... Oh, that's nice. three wise yeah. men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> But it just reminded me um, when I was, well, I wasn't there when, well, I was there when I was born, but I don't, I've been told (laughs) stories. Apparently when I was born, um, my dad was a um, interstate truck driver, so often, you know, wasn't, and also he was, you know, old school, he goes, oh, I don't need to be there when the kids are born. So um, dad wasn't there, but (laughs) he got a a text, or no, he didn't, he got a, a phone call from the nurse next morning saying you know congratulations mr hickey you've had a boy and he is dad's beside himself right he's so excited he's got three girls i've got three older sisters and older brother and he's like i've got another boy this is 
this, how tremendous is this? I love this. And he called his mum and he went, Mum, we've had a boy. He called all his brothers. He called all his sisters. We've had a boy. Boy, he just called everyone going, we've had a boy, 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 boy. <laughs> and then he rocked up to the hospital and mum had another visitor at the time. Um, and so dad just had to sit there and wait for this other woman to leave. And dad's just sitting there looking around, just going, what? What is going on? And then um, the woman's like, oh, so I'll let you, you know, go. And then he, you know, she leaves. And Dad just looks at Mum and goes, what's all this pink shit everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> and Mum's like, what do you mean? Like, it's we've had a girl. And he's like, oh, oh no. And then has to go back out and call Mum and goes, oh, it's, it, it's a girl. You can call everyone else. <laughs> and now that's why I'm gay. <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 Triple R in Melbourne, Australia. Sometimes feel that even if we didn't have Dr. Jen coming in, we would just play, <laughs> play that theme once a week. But in fact, we do have her in the studio. Welcome to Triple R again. How are you going? I'm great, but I, I can't help but dance when that dance, dance, yeah, dance. I feel dance. 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 It's a good reason to come in, really. It is. But it's also good to come in to talk about six degrees of separation. I've been looking forward to this all week, explaining the science behind six degrees of separation. Maybe you can start by, I'm sure everyone probably knows the idea of six degrees of separation, but maybe just talk us through it. Well, I think some people know it more as the six degrees of Kevin Bacon rather than the six degrees of separation. So six degrees of separation was first proposed by a Hungarian writer in a short story called Chains, which seems like a fairly good, fairly good analogy, Chains, back in 1929. And a character in this short story just asked the question, which is, would it be possible to link any individual person on the planet to any other individual person on the planet by no more than six links, whereby a link is an acquaintance, someone you know? So the idea being that everybody that I know is one degree from me and everybody that my friends know, who I don't necessarily know, is two degrees. And we go out and the idea is that, yeah, it should only take six degrees of separation to link every single person on the planet. Do, do you know by chance how this theory became connected to Kevin Bacon? I do. So in 1994... Yes. There were three, <laughs> that's, that's why we have you here. There were three college students in Pennsylvania who were... Um, I think they, started, they were watching Footloose. It was a rainy day, so the story goes. Who knows how much truth there is in this? It was a rainy day. They were watching Footloose. It was still raining. They decided to watch another movie. I can't remember what the second movie was, but it also happened to have Kevin Bacon in it. And at the same time, Kevin Bacon had been quoted on some TV show as saying that he'd worked with everybody in Hollywood or at least somebody who had worked with everybody in Hollywood. And so these students thought, hmm, I wonder if it's true. And they started to work out and they tried to link any producer, actor, director in Hollywood back to Kevin Bacon and work out how many degrees of separation they were. And it turned into this massive game. So they ended up on all the big, you know, talk shows in America. There's now six degrees apps whereby you can work out the number of degrees of separation from any actor to any other actor. And the six degrees of Kevin Bacon um, ended up in a website called the Oracle of Bacon. Oh. <laughs> whereby you can put in the name of any actor, director, producer and work out how many degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon. So a degree of separation obviously is if Kevin Bacon has been in a movie with person X and person X has been in a movie with person Y, then there's two degrees from Kevin Bacon to that person. So any actor now has a Bacon number and your Bacon number just shows, you know, how far you are from Kevin Bacon, I guess. <laughs> does, does it go through the uh, the links? Like who, how, 
all the different people that are the links? Yeah, totally. So if you go to either to the Oracle of Bacon or to one of the Six Degrees apps, you can put in any actor or director or whoever and it will tell you the links and how you can link those people. So it just turned into a fun kind of parlour game whereby people challenge themselves to work out, you know... I'm going to put my name in it. Have you been in any Hollywood movies lately? Yeah, but I've been... No, but still. <laughs> Wait, but that's... Why do you have to be from Hollywood? That's what that's what the website's for. I think that's the data set they're operating from, I'm oh, afraid. Because, you know, they have well, to plug I'm data in. That that <laughs> it seemed that those students got a long, long way from a stoned idea one day in, but, um, in, in the college. So is this just a maths problem? Is that is that what it is? It's just well, a quick... Pretty much. I mean, if you do the math, so imagine, everyone who's listening, imagine, do you know 45 people? I'm guessing the answer to that is yes. Do yeah. those 45 people <laughs> know 45 other people that you don't know? Probably. Probably. Does the same apply on and on until you get until you do that six times? If the answer to that is yes, 45 to the power of six is over 8 billion, which is more than there are people on the planet. Right. So feasibly, so it's quite plausible to say that if you if you only have to know 45 people and they have to know 45 people who are different to the first 45, that eventually you could get, you know, up to 8.3 billion people. And there's only 7.4 billion people alive on the planet today. So mathematically it's probably possible, but... People obviously set out to test this. So starting in the 60s, Stanley Milgram, who was famous for his, um, you know, the zapping experiments to see whether people would follow orders and... and oh, zap yes, zap people. people. Yeah. Yes. yeah, so Stanley Milgram, he was famous for that, but he also did an interesting experiment which he called the small world problem. So he identified a stockbroker in Boston, didn't give out that person's address, just said, here's his name, he lives in Boston, and then gave a whole lot of people, 300 different people, a package and said, can you get this package to this stockbroker in Boston just using your acquaintances. Now, obviously in the 60s, it was by snail mail. And it turned out that I think 64 of the packages arrived in the right place. And Milgram then worked out the number of, um, you know, the number of times that the mail changed hands to get to that Boston um, stockbroker. And it turned out it was about six. So everyone said, well, we have proof. Six degrees of separation is right. But it's been, that experiment's since been massively criticised because, you know, it has to be random people. The whole whole premise is that it's random people. And they weren't random. So of the 300 people, 100 of them already lived in Boston going to make it a lot easier. A hundred of them were stockbrokers in oh. the same field, going to also make it easier. And the problem was he doesn't know, so only 64 of them arrived. He doesn't know how many of the packages, you know, how many ch- links there were in the chain of the packages that didn't arrive. So he's taking an average of only a small subset of the actual, you know, the actual number of packages that were out there trying to find its way to the Boston stockbroker. So if it was Stanley not. Milgram, he was probably giving them electric shocks while they were doing this. <laughs> <laughs> doing that through snail mail would be interesting. <laughs> so that was the first test of it. But then there's been other tests. So in 2003, some people from Columbia Uni decided, well, in modern, in the modern day and let's use email. That seems like a more reasonable test. So they had 61,000 volunteers from, I think, 166 different countries and they chose 18 target people around the world. One was a police officer in Australia, one was an army vet in Norway, there was one from Estonia, you know, all these particular people. And the idea was, here's an email, you need to only use people in your, you know, email contacts to try and get this email to this particular target person. So the idea is you think, who do 
do I know who might know that person or who might know someone who knows that person? And so there were 224,000 email chains that started in an attempt to get to these 18 special people and 384 emails arrived in the, you know, the, the inbox that had been that had been set for them, which, you know, it's not that many, but in terms of the number of links, again, it was about six. It was between so five when it and works. seven links. So when it works, it was about six again. So yes, but if this was just written into a book years ago, this person just made up six degrees of separation. They literally pulled a number out of the air. Pretty and now much. science has since proved that that person made up the correct number. Yeah, a Hungarian back in 1929. That is just insane. <laughs> so then then um, Microsoft decided to test it via, in, via instant messaging. So they took a month. This was June back in 2006. And they analysed 30 billion instant messaging conversations. And they worked out how many people, you know, so they looked at who was talking with who basically, 240 million people and worked out how many links it would take to connect every single person who used instant instant messaging in that month to every other person. And it was 6.6 links to link those 240 million people. What about (laughs) the people that aren't necessarily have access to technology. Exactly. Are you going to go into that next? Well, I think that's a really good point because then just last month or the month before Facebook came out and said Facebook had analysed all Facebook users and they said that the um, average degree of separation between all Facebook users was only three and a half. And you can go on, I've put the link on the blog, you can go on and it'll tell you what your average degree of separation from every other Facebook user is. So, you know, you can kind of tell how, you know, how well connected you are in the world. But you know, for a start, three, you know, three degrees, of course it's going to be a lower number because we're only talking Facebook users. If you shrink the entire world down to only Facebook users, of course you're going to have a lower number of degrees. I'm sure Facebook would love us to shrink the world down. To <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so people have argued that social media have, sh- you know, has shrunk the world and of course it's not going to be six degrees anymore because we're all so well connected. But like you say, not everyone has access to this stuff. Only half the world has access to the internet. I'm thinking of like... Um, like lost tribes. Yeah, in, exactly. Like how yeah. is it still six degrees? How do I? Where's the six degrees of separation there between me and a yeah? Because if, yeah. if only fifty percent of the world is actually using the internet, and I think I worked it out. So of. Um, of the 8 billion, sorry, 7.4 billion people on the planet, only 1.6 billion of them use Facebook, which is still a ridiculous number, but, you know, 1.6 billion. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some people would argue that with the um, advent of social media, we have become more connected and that the degrees of separation are decreasing, as Mm. Facebook has suggested. I think you could also argue it the other way, that a small number of the world's population has become more connected as the rest have become less connected. Because if you tried to do this experiment with snail mail now, no one could be bothered. (laughs) No one could be bothered. Do you even check your mail anymore? Like, it's one of those things that, hardly any of it ever comes anymore. So in some ways, we're becoming less connected with the rest of the world because we don't bother to use the forms of communication that suit half the world. Do you know, as a fun fact, I'm just going to throw this in at the end because it's like a little boast. I was playing this game with my family a few years ago, like who's the most famous person we could work out we were six degrees of separation related to. (laughs) And I found out that I'm four degrees away from Conan O'Brien. Yeah, so there you go. go. It's my dad's cousin's wife's cousin. Anyway, that's four degrees of Conan. (laughs) (laughs) It is quite a fun game. But I think the point comes down to, you know, 
how many of these people we are so called connected to do yeah. we actually know? And <laughs> I'm not going to be turning up on Conan's doorstep <laughs> anytime soon, claiming to be his fourth cousin from Australia. If you want to know more about who you're connected to, you can jump on Espresso Science. We'll put that link out um, in a minute. Thank you very much, Dr. Jen, and we'll talk to you in a week's time. See ya. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3 RRR in Melbourne, Australia. Andrew Donison is a cricket commentator with White Lines Wireless. He's also a podcaster with a sporting discussion and he's our regular sporting uh, go-to guy, I guess we could say. <laughs> How are you going, Andrew? I'm well, thank you. I, I appreciate being gone to. Thank <laughs> you very much. <laughs> and we appreciate going to you. So, um, a lot of things to get through today. I think we're starting with cricket. Yeah, so the World T20, both men's and women's, has kicked off in India in the last week. There was obviously some issues with the fixture only going out you know, a month or so before the tournament. The ticket's not going on sale until a week before some of the stadiums not being ready and people not actually being able to buy tickets to watch it at the ground. So some of them are, you know, highly sought after games that no one can actually go and see, (laughs) which is awesome. Um, (laughs) Australia is doing in T20 what Australia does. The men are completely and utterly rubbish and don't know how to play the game and the women are completely and utterly brilliant and they are the... The women are the three... the last three champions of the world T20 and... You were saying before in the news about Meg Lanning and her heroics with the, the food poisoning and coming out at the end of the game and just saying, no, I've had enough of this, we need to finish this right now and just hitting 30 off 18 balls, wandering off and probably, you know, uh, replenishing her fluids. <laughs> <laughs> that just also brought to mind um, that time that Shane Warne couldn't even eat, like, curry in India and had to ship over uh, baked, beans. Uh, baked beans. You know, <laughs> I was like, that man can't even, you know, take a cake of curry for the country and here we have Meg... <laughs> Vomiting over the vomiting over the edge of the oval, and then going back out and smashing it. So good on yeah, you. Yeah, well, I mean, Meg's the best. She's like the she's the, the best Australian women's cricketer. She's uh, close to the best batsman in the world in in the women's game. She's just amazing. And they actually take on New Zealand, the Australian women tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are two of the undefeated teams: Australia, New Zealand, England, and the West Indies, all undefeated. Those teams also have the some like some of the best players in the world. So it's not a surprise that they're undefeated. Wildline Wireless will actually be commentating that game, providing the only radio coverage. And we're going to have a special guest, Anna Lanning, come on board oh. tonight. So is Meg's sister? Yes, yes. Or as she says, uh, Meg is her sister. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be great. We'll have Anna Lanning. We'll have Izzy Westbury, who's the captain of Middlesex over in the UK. So it's going to be a star-studded lineup, plus me and a couple of other blokes. <laughs> what do you reckon Australia's chances are against New Zealand? They sh- they, look, it's going to be a, a very, very tight contest, but Australia, they're, in my mind, the best team in the, the yeah. competition. Not only do they have the, the batting with, with Lanning and, and Alex Blackwell and Elise Perry, they've got the bowling. So, like, 17 or 18-year-old Lauren Cheadle, you've got Elise Perry, and then they've got the spinners as well. So... Um, uh, Grace Harris from from Brisbane, she hurt herself before the tournament, so isn't playing. But uh, Chris, Kristen Beams just came in and you know did the business the other day. And Jess Jonathan, she's a, an all rounder who is completely wonderful as well. Oh, I, I gush over the Australian women's yes. team because the Australian men's team are just a bunch of buffoons who. <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't think anyone's arguing with that at this point in time. <laughs> All right, moving on from cricket, what else we got? Uh, I just wanted to quickly say, whilst we're talking about the, the men being buffoons and the women being completely wonderful, the Matildas qualified for the Rio Olympics, <laughs> the Australian women's soccer team. So yeah. that's the first time since 2004 they've qualified for the Olympics. So Katrina Gorey and uh, Lisa Devanna were brilliant in, in their wins in the Asian qualifying. Because they beat North Korea, is that right? They beat North Korea, they beat Vietnam and they drew with China. And North Korea was the team that put them out of the running the last two Olympic Games. Yes. yes? Yeah. So it was kind of a, a good revenge match Absolutely. to win that. And good North, good and timing politically as well, I yeah. think, that. <laughs> yes. So North, North Korea were, they, they would have expected to, to go through as well because they were well, probably the favourite from that group. There was, I think, two of the top five and four of the top ten teams in the world in our in our group, Great. so for the Matildas to get through was brilliant. So, looking forward to watching them in uh, in Rio, and the Townsville Fire won back-to-back WNBL championships. They came from behind in the, the that three-quarter time of both game one and game two, and outscored the Perth Lynx by about twenty points in the last quarter just to to dominate. Sisters in sport. Um, I'm given to understand there was some kind of AFL is happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, some, some kind of <laughs> AFL. So some kind of AFL will kick off this week with, Excellent. Round, with round one of the real stuff. I can't wait. Yeah, so Richmond will play Carlton, where the, the big attraction, as you were discussing before, is the horses that Richmond will, <laughs> will bring out. Hey, Sorry. I wouldn't mind seeing Alex Rance ride out on the MCG on a horse. If they put the players on the horses, I'd be all for it. Mm. Could you imagine? Like, obviously, you know, he'd have to grow his hair just a oh. little bit longer, popping in a white shirt. You know, the he wouldn't even need the fans <laughs> no, flowing. There he is. He'd be the links man yes. almost. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, could, this, this theory that was floated when we were discussing before that this is tied in with the uh, advertising. Is this? Is this? Do you? Are you... I didn't realise this, but. Uh, yesterday, my partner Sarah, hello, she suggested <laughs> that it's the car insurance ad. Yeah, that's, yeah. What Jesus, yeah. that's what I said. It's clearly that. I don't know how you don't pick up on it that. It just seems so incredibly cynical. Well, just... the funny thing about it is like, Hawthorne Football Club, for some reason, play horses in the rooms when they have a... used to be when they have a good win interstate, and now they do it all the time mm. because, I don't know, what, what bunch of... <laughs> Young twenty-year-olds yeah. doesn't love does a Braithwaite, and so maybe this is Richmond trying to you know take on some some winning. Um, Isn't that sort of sad? Like we can be the premiers. We're going to take this song. Oh my god! It's so hard being a Tiger fan. I I honestly reckon it was all the corporate sponsorship people that did it. All right. Well, moving on from that embarrassment. Yeah. So to, to another embarrassment of the <laughs> AFL's belated apology to oh. Adam Goods for all of the. The booing last year. Now, the the belated nature. It was in the uh, the AFL's annual report. So I imagine the AFL will be saying, no, no, no. This is a strong statement because it's in our formal document and it'll be there in perpetuity. I was like, well, that's great, but you did nothing at the time to stop a bunch of bogans abusing uh, a bloke who was just going about his business. Mm. But st- people still think that it's ho- that it wasn't a thing. Like people still think it was okay to boo, like oh, booting because he he folks you know free kicks. Like no. And you know what? For the first week. That's fine, yeah. but when it was clear that people were doing it for other reasons that were related to yeah. race, mm. just go, oh, I, 
I don't want to be lumped lumped in with yeah. them, even if I think he stages for freeze. People think that Joel Selwood stages for freeze. They don't spend an entire six weeks, eight weeks booing him. Yeah. yeah. So, so what prompted it now then? So the release of the AFL's oh, okay, annual right. report, they sort of put a letter in the front and Gil McLaughlin said, sorry, I was, I don't know, down at the, the Portsy <laughs> Polo and <laughs> couldn't do my business. <laughs> So, but well done, Gil, I guess, belatedly. Actually, no, let's wait until about round 15 before we give Gil any credence for, for acting on it. Just, you know, wait, let him wait six months as well. Yeah. <laughs> the other quick thing in the AFL is Eddie Maguire Stadium. So Eddie has come out and said, we need to get rid of a 60,000-seat retractable roof multipurpose stadium and replace it with a 60,000-seat retractable roof multipurpose stadium <laughs> next to the MCG which will need to put Richmond Station underground. They need to knock down Hisense Arena, rebuild Hisense Arena about, you know, 40 metres down the road because that's just smart. Look, Eddie is wonderful for the game. He's wonderful for Collingwood. For what he believes in, he stands up for. This, I think he's standing up because it will benefit the Collingwood Football Club who are so. just down the road in uh, the, the Westpac Centre. And apparently the Tigers have now also proposed a, a, an alternative which doesn't involve knocking everything down at Punt Road where their kind of current um, grounds are. Yeah, so they, they want to redevelop that and build massive grandstands there, which, again, is a wonderful uh, idea, but it's a stupid solution because <laughs> it means that you're going to have a game at the MCG during the middle of the day. You've got 70,000 people trying to leave to get uh, home and get to the station, and then you've got 40,000 people trying to get from Richmond Station to this other game. Yeah. When this Disaster. Was, when this was in the news, I, I kind of wonder... What does proposed mean in that context? I mean, was it just he just kind of floated this as an idea? Was there anything more to it than that? Oh, I certainly don't think that he, you know, had a, like a plan a, or a, you know a little a, a little black portfolio like you <laughs> see art students carrying around. Um, look, Daniel Andrews has said, "Oh, we're going to seriously look look at that," and whether that's saying. Eddie, you are a very, very important and, uh, man. I'm, I'm going to just say yes to, to your... Not not to the concept, but to... To, you know, I'll to have a to look you. at it. Yeah. yeah. Look, I think that it's just an admission that the Dockland Stadium is a piece of crap in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> when, amusingly, it's a five-minute walk from the middle of the city. It is, right. isn't it? It's bizarre. Anyway. Bring back VFL Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, good luck with your uh, broadcast. Um, it's great that you're doing that. Yes, yeah, so people can tune in whitelinewireless.com tonight from 9 o'clock. I just want to quickly mention uh, Farmanu Brown from the Cronulla Sharks. His mobile phone needed charging. So did his teammates. They only had one charger between them. He had seen a video on the internet where you could put it in the microwave to charge it super quickly. <laughs> he popped it in the microwave no. for a minute. About two seconds in, it blew up. And kudos to him, I guess. He went straight on social media, took a photo of it, probably with someone else's phone, and said, have a look at what I've done. Aren't I stupid? This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.